Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. Uh, we are in the final message of a series that we've been in for five weeks, a series that we're simply calling Being Comfortable in the uncomfortable. We're taking the time to dive into God's word to discover what a man by the name of Peter shares with us and shares with the early believers. Now, Peter was one of Jesus's followers, one of the disciples. He was in the inner circle. He walked with Jesus on a regular basis. In fact, some would go as far as to say he was one of his best friends. How do we know that? Well, this is my assumption. I know that because when Jesus is talking about the disciples, he names Peter first. You don't leave your best friend for last, right? You name them first. They're the ones that are in the forefront of your mind. So Peter is with Jesus regularly, and here he begins to talk to the early church. And through this series, we've discovered many, many things. First off, we discovered that it's not enough to be a spectator. That our walk with Jesus, that, that what we do on a daily basis, our Christian journey, is not a spectator sport moment. But we are called to be on the front lines. We're called to go and to be. In fact, the Great Commission, what we're called to do is to go and make disciples, to tell the world about Jesus, everyone, everywhere, to tell them what he has done in our lives. We are called to be servants. Jesus demonstrated that to his disciples, and then he tells them, God's going to bless you as you go and do this. So it's not enough to be a spectator. We must get out and begin to move forward. We understand that our actions speak louder than our words, that we can't just be speakers of the word or hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word of God, that our actions must line up with what we talk about. It's not enough to shake our finger at somebody and say, you shouldn't do that. Our actions need to follow what the word of God tells us. We've also discovered that we've got to move from this place of tolerance into a realm or a, an area of truth. We've got to move away from just tolerating the chaos of the world and accepting everything and embracing it all and saying, all's going to be good. No, 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 no. We've got to begin to stand on the truth of God's word and allow the truth to set us free. Now, today, we're going to include, conclude this series by processing through the entire book of 2 Peter. Now, some of you are like, man, that's going to take forever. No, it's a fairly short book. We can, we can manage this in one message this morning. And as Peter is writing this incredible book, there are two main purposes of why he is writing. First off, Peter wanted to encourage the church to be careful to pursue godly character and true knowledge. Come on, godly character. What does it mean to have godly character? It means that our life aligns with what God's called us to be. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 that the Holy Spirit produces inside of us a new nature, a new character. 
that of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He produces that in us. But how many of you know if you've ever farmed anything, something can be produced, but if it's not cultivated, if it's not watered, if it's not tended to, if it's not weeded, then what's cultivated, oh, I'm sorry, what's produced is not going to produce into what really it could be. Come on, are, are you trekking with me today? So the Holy Spirit produces this in us, but we must begin to, to nurture that, to, to weed that, to do the hard work, to allow it to grow into what God has called it to be for our lives. And Peter says, I challenge you, be a people that pursue godly character and true knowledge. There's a lot of junk stirring around that people are trying to pass off as the truth. Come on. And too often, what do we do? We sit on the sidelines and we say, it's gonna be all right. It's not bothering me. It's not in my household. It's not in my neighborhood. It's not in my church. Let's just let it be. It'll be fine. But how have you know if we let it be too long, it becomes something greater? We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. The second thing he does is he encourages the church to expose and denounce false prophets and teachers among the church. Again, he says it's not enough to ignore it. Some of your mindset is kind of like, you know, the check engine light comes, in, comes on in your car. And you think, I'll just ignore it because nothing sounds wrong. I actually saw a guy one time, we were talking about a check engine light, he goes and grabs some black electrical tape, and he covers it up and goes, fixed. <laughs> we laugh, but how often do we do that in the culture and society around us? We see something that doesn't align with God's word and we just take a little black electrical tape and we, we cover it up and we say, fixed. Peter's saying, guys, you've got to call it out. You've got to denounce the false teaching. You've got to stand for the truth. Look at our text this morning, 2 Peter chapter 1. He says this, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Write it in the chat this morning if you're watching online. Don't be lazy. We've got to work hard to prove that we are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this moment, Peter is saying, this is all going to take you some really hard work. Wow. We're not used to that in our culture. We're used to instantaneous. We're used to, I need it and I need it now. I don't want to wait in line. I don't want, I don't want to have to order and drive to the next window, get the cash, and go wait around the corner for 10 minutes for you to bring me a burger and fry. 
Come on, you, I used to work at McDonald's when I was a kid, and we had 45 seconds from the moment you started the order until the moment they received what they got. And now we have to wait 15 minutes. Come on. Something, we're not used to working hard, but we want 15. Never mind. Let me move on. Well, it was almost a tangent moment right there, but I'm back on track, my friend. I'm back on track. He says, work hard in our Christian life, in our Christian pursuit, in our life with Christ. We've got to learn to work hard because this walk with Christ is not natural. Loving the unlovable is not natural. Reaching out to those that are in the pits of despair and strife of life, it's not natural. Reaching beyond yourself and giving beyond yourself, it's not natural. But that's what we're called to do. And Peter says, work hard. Work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and God has chosen. He says, it's not always going to be smooth sailing. But I don't think that as he's writing this in 2 Peter chapter 1, I don't think that, that Peter is simply telling us to prove to the world that we're saved. I mean, if that was the case, then just carry around a big sign all day long. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, hallelujah, right, you know? But I don't think that's what Peter's trying to get to. I believe it's a reminder, I believe it's a challenge to be spiritually productive in our journey with Jesus. Truth be told, if we are content in our passive faith, we are not fulfilling the call that God has placed upon his church. But here's the plus side. In the midst of the hard work, as you put in the hard work, you will begin to see spiritual growth and maturity as you press forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes? This morning I want to talk about three truths of taking a solid spiritual stand. In, in the midst of this uncomfortable time of this world and time of life, we got to figure out how do we stand firm in that moment so that we come to the place of being comfortable in the uncomfortable. Again, let me put a disclaimer. I'm not talking about being satisfied and content with chaos. What I'm talking about is being so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of the presence of God, so consumed with the truth of God's word, that even in the midst of the uncomfortable situations, I can stand firm, I can hold tight, even when the wind begins to blow, even when the storm's raging up against me, I can plant my feet solid on the ground, I can be comfortable in the uncomfortable. So let's look at, look at these truths that we discover over this spiritual stance. Number one, uh, Peter warns us of evil and false truths. He warns us of evil and false truths. Now, we've processed this just a little bit already in this series, so I'm not going to prolong it too long, but suffice it to say 
that we are in a day and age where evil is running rampant. Agree or disagree? We are in a day and age where evil is running rampant. Truth is no longer seen as truth. Good is now defined as evil. Wrong has somehow become right. But here's what we must understand, must remember. As everything around us seems to be changing, everything seems to be morphing, everything is becoming more and more compromised, the Word of God remains constant. This has not changed. The church cannot change. Come on, there's those out there saying, well, the church just needs to become more progressive. The church just needs to come up to the day and time. No. No. Is truth truth? Then we stand on it. Is the word of God truth? Then we follow it. We don't compromise. We don't bend to the chaos of this world. We don't bend to the false ideas of this world. But we call it out and we stand upon the word of God. If we truly love the broken, if we truly love the lost, then we can't allow them to continue down the spiral of destruction. But we stand upon the truth of God's word. We stand our ground. We hold tightly to the things of God to pursue biblical truth in all that we say. Come on, actions speak louder than words in all that we say and yes, all that we do. Second Peter chapter two, he says this, but there were also false prophets in Israel just as there will be false prophets among you. Do you believe there's false prophets among us? Absolutely. They will cleverly, come on, cleverly teach destructive heresies. I'll define that word in a moment. And even deny the master, deny God who brought them, bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. Come on, are we seeing that? And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. So four things that I see in this short two-verse section of Scripture. Number one, the false teacher is clever in his approach. What do I mean by clever in approach? Well, some translations say that the false teacher will secretly introduce and bring about destruction. Others say they will smuggle in destructive division. In other words, they will slip in a little bit here and a little bit there until it becomes and appears normal. Come on, I want you to listen really careful today. This is a message that the church needs to hear, that the church needs to wake up, that the church needs to open up their blinded eyes and see. The false teacher, the world, is going to do everything they can to throw a little bit of evil here and there. And sometimes, sometimes we'll look at that and we'll think, man, I see it there, but... 
they really didn't hit on it too hard, so we'll let it slide. Come on. And the next time, what happens? A little bit more. And the next time, a, a little bit more. Until suddenly, what do we do? Well, that must be the norm. Because I'm starting to see it everywhere. Just because you see it everywhere doesn't mean it's the norm. Church, it's time to wake up. This all sounds so familiar. We're seeing this on a regular basis in our culture. Satan does not have to convince you of a lie if he can cause you to question the truth. Let me say that again. Satan, our enemy, our adversary, does not have to convince you of a lie if he can cause you to question the truth. They're clever in their approach. They're sly in their endeavors. So we must stand guard. 1 Peter chapter 5. Stay alert. Wake up. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, wake up. Come on, say it with conviction. Wake up. Stay alert. Watch out. Wake up. For your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Telling you what, he's sly. He's sneaky. But church, we must be alert. Mom and dad, we must teach our children the truth. Well, I don't, I don't want to push them into anything. Well, if you, don't, uh, if you don't teach them the truth, you're going to push them straight into hell. Just going to be straight up with you. We have got to stand for the truth. Because if we don't share the truth with this world that's perverse, if we don't share the truth with this world that is distraught, if we don't speak the truth to this world that is compromised then what they're going to do is they're going to pour that in to our students, our children, our teenagers. And before we know it, they're going to be running amok with the chaos of the world. The second observation, he teaches destructive heresy. Look at this, not just heresy, but destructive heresy. What is heresy? Heresy is teaching that is in opposition to the truth of God's word, things that don't line up with the word of God. That's heresy. But what this false teacher will share is not just false teaching, but teaching that is beyond mere opposition. It's teaching that brings destruction and brings harm. It leads to total, complete opposition of the truth of God's word and the plan that God has for our world. Again, we must wake up to the chaos and the heresy of this world. Number three, he will deny God. The false teacher that is described here will deny the fact that God is real. They will create their own thoughts. They will create their own agenda. They will create their own plan, denying that God even exists. Look what it says in Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. They declare there is no God. The fourth observation is this. He will slander 
the truth. The word slander, by definition, according to merriamwebster.com, is defined as the utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame or damage another's reputation. Why is this false teaching taking place? Well, as we spoke about a few weeks ago, there's a spiritual battle that's raging in the world around us. Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us that the battles that we face, the struggles that we endure on a regular basis, truthfully, it's not against the media. It's not against Hollywood. It's not against a sect or a group of people. They're pawns that are being used by the enemy. The battle that we're facing, the struggle that we're facing is a struggle and a battle between God and our enemy. God and Satan. There's a spiritual battle raging for your soul. There's a spiritual battle raging for your soul. So Satan is going to do all that he can to discredit, to slander the things of God. He's tried this same thing time and time again. Remember the twisted words that he shared with Eve in the very beginning? Did God really tell you that? Come on, you can read it in Genesis. Did God really say that? He tried it with Jesus. It is written, he said. Listen, church, this is not a new game the enemy plays. He knows one play, and he just kind of tweaks it every little bit to see what he can do. It's time that the church wake up. It's time that the people of God watch carefully for the plan of our enemy. Look what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth following their own agenda. I want you to know we're in the last days. I know we've been hearing that for years. I remember as a little kid being told we're in the last days. We would talk about the book of Revelation when I was a kid and my pastor pulled out probably this 25 or 30 foot long banner thing and he went step by step through the book of Revelation and what's going to happen and what's transpiring and he would say it's the last days. Here we are 40 years later and he's saying it's still the last days. But can I just tell you something? We're closer today than we were then. And we're seeing more signs today than we did then. Scriptures like this are coming to life. In the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth. Do you see the truth being mocked? I watched this news article the other day, and they showed Jesus, or had someone impersonating Jesus on a cross, and I know this is blunt and crude, but I'm going to tell you what it showed. And they had a scantily dressed guy pole dancing on Jesus. Mocking the truth. Mocking the truth. And following their own desires. 
Satan, our enemy, his agenda is evil. His desire is to discredit God at every opportunity. That's why we must know the truth. How do you know the truth? You dive into the word of God. You study the truth. The second thing I want to point out today is we are called to a life of holiness and obedience. Holiness and obedience. Come on, look at, look at this. The word holiness scares some of you. Because for some reason in your mind, you've equated holiness with perfection. None of us are perfect. Anybody mess up at all this week? Sometime between last Sunday and today, you did something, you're like, oh, snap, that's not good. Okay, about half of us, the rest of you just did. So let's try that one more time. How many of you have messed up this week? Yeah, 100%, come on, there it is. Yeah, none of us are perfect, but our desire, the longing of our heart should be to pursue the things of God. To follow after truth, to resist compromise, and to turn toward God. It's vital that in these evil days that we follow Jesus by planting our feet solid on the truth, on the foundation that God has set before us. We can all fall guilty of of believing false truth or slipping into the realm of compromise. But look what Peter tells us in 2 Peter. He says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. What's he talking about? He said, I want you to go back to the basics. I want you to understand the basics of truth. He says, you already know them. I'm just going to take some time to remind you. How many of you need reminded of things every now and again? I do. I tend to forget things. By the way, if you ever want want me to remember something, don't tell me between service on a Sunday morning. Because I'm not going to remember. Write it down. Give it to me. We all need reminders in life. So Peter says, I'm going to remind you, even though you know these things, I'm going to remind you about them. Don't be misled by the false teaching among you. You must be prepared for the chaos of the world. You must stand your ground. You must be binding yourself on the truth of God's word. God's given you all that you need. We've discovered that in this study already. God's already given you all that you need for living this spiritual life with him. So we've got to dig deep into the faith that we call Christ, allowing it to grow and mature, truly going all in with our faith, choosing not to waver, but to be a people of action and a people of purpose. Then he says in 2 Peter chapter 1, the more you grow like this, the more productive, come on, you see a, a word repeating here, the more you grow, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the sad part. 
But those that fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind. Those that fail to develop, see, the Holy Spirit produces the new nature in us. But if we fail to develop that, what will begin to grow on the inside of us are the weeds, are the distractions, are the lies of the enemy. But those that fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, here it is again, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Peter says, if we fail to grow in our faith, we are in essence forgetting the goodness of God and what he has done in our lives. He goes on in chapter three to say, and so to your brothers or dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every opportunity Make every effort, rather, to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in the sight of God. Make every effort. This is the obedience part of our faith. It means that every day, every word, every thoughts, every intention must be pointed in a direction that leads to a holy life in God. Not allowing our lives to be conformed or compromised by the direction and the pressures of the world around us. So what do we do? We stand spiritual guard in our faith and we grow in that faith, playing both offense and defense. To ensure that our faith is genuine. Second Peter, he says this. You're all, you already know these things, dear brothers and sisters, so be on guard. You already know the truth, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow. It's imperative that you grow. It's vital that you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The problem is that we hear this word holiness and we think there's no way I can do it. I can't live a holy life. And with that mindset, you can't because at that point you're trying to do it by yourself. But in chapter 3, Peter begins to give us a little bit of reminder, and we see our third truth. Our third truth is this. We are not alone in this journey. That's the good news. That should cause you to get pretty excited. Because if you've ever tried it by yourself, you know it doesn't work. If you've ever tried it by yourself, you know you're going to stumble and fail. You know that the spiral is going to get you each and every time. But you understand and know the reality that you're not alone in the journey should change that mindset, should give you a little bit more courage and excitement. You are not alone. 
God has not called you to this difficult journey by yourself. We've already discovered that God will give us what we need and God promises to always be with us and never to abandon us, but he'll go before us. He'll pave the way for us. But here's another little nugget. Look around you today. You have a room full of people that we call Encounter Church that are with you every step of the way. We have a saying here, and it's this. At Encounter Church, no one walks alone. But here's the deal. In order for us to walk side by side with you, you've got to allow us to get to know you. Man, some people say, well, no one ever showed up. I had somebody one time that said, well, I was in the hospital three days and nobody came to visit me. And I said, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't get the message. Did you call and let us know? No, I didn't call you. Okay. So prophetically, we're like, oh, hope they're in the hospital. Let's go. It's not, I'm, I'm telling you what, guys, it's not going to happen. We got, in order to walk together in this journey, we've got to be vulnerable with one another. And this fall, we're going to dive back into life groups. And they're going to look a little different. We're going to kind of change some of the structure of life group a little bit. And I'm going to challenge 100% of this body of believers to be a part of a life group. I believe they're that important. Because we're at a point in time that we need one another. I need you. And I guarantee you, you need the person to sit across the room. So make yourself available in this process. Because here at Encounter, no one walks alone. Let me give you quickly three scriptures, shotgun effect of three scriptures. Number one is Second Peter chapter 2. He says, so you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from the trials. And even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. Ephesians 4, or 1, 4. Even before he made the world, God loved you, loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Acts 3, 19. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. I want you to see the progression here. Some of you might want to take a picture of this. Some of you might want to write this down quickly. Four things we got to do. Number one is acknowledging that God has a plan. Acknowledging that God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has something that he wants to do in your life. What you must do is come to the place that you make yourself available. Number two, understanding that God loves and chose you. That's sometimes hard because we struggle to love ourselves sometimes. But I want you to know that even before you were born, while you were still in the development process in your mama's belly, God called you by name. God chose you for such a time as this. Number three, admitting you can't do it on your own. Come on. Admitting, I can't do this. I need God and I need people. But I will say this, be careful what people you run to. Don't run to toxic people. Come on, don't run to toxic people. Run to somebody that's grounded in the word of God. 
somebody that's grounded in the truth. And number four, surrendering to God and starting brand new. Surrendering to God and starting brand new. Now is your moment. Now is the opportune time to land upon, to rest upon, to depend upon the truth of God's word and allow it to set you free. Perhaps you've been a Christian for many years and you fail to stand firm amongst the uncomfortable. Can I just tell you, today God wants to reinforce your life. Maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus into your life. Can I just tell you, the Bible says now is your moment. Today is the day of salvation. God has a plan. What we've got to do at this point is get up and say, Lord, not me, but you. God, less of me and more of you. Because this isn't working. I'm turning to you. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.